welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is an emergency edition emergency of, the, of the Great Shot Podcast. My name is Alex Gruskin. Joining me on this, um, again, emergency edition. We got something very wrong in last night's podcast. It is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the one man who stayed up to watch the... Actually, probably not the one man. One of many who stayed up to watch last night's barn-burning upset. John Millman takes out number two seed Roger Federer. Rothman, hey... Great shot. What? How are you feeling? So many emotions. Angry, sad, confused. Is tired one of them? I mean, I definitely don't have fed fatigue, if that's what you're implying. <laughs> um, I was not but, implying it. But I feel like we haven't done this yet, so I need to ask him to do this now. Fligner, cue the sirens of the emergency podcast, please. Yeah, look, this is a big deal, and the reason we're recording this emergency podcast, last night we did our round four recaps, we recorded that before the Federer-Millman match finished. While we were recording last night, Federer and Millman were in the midst of playing. They may have been in the middle of that first set, and it looked like Federer was cruising. He broke Millman so easily. Uh, He went up a set, he ends up serving for the second set, has two set points. And then everything went wrong, Rothman. And before we talk about the match, just for people who don't know anything about him, John Millman, an Australian tennis player, 29 years old, turned pro in 2006, currently ranked number 55, but has a career high a little higher than that. I believe it's 46. I mean, six foot, 175, you know, won a couple challengers this year, but not many big ATP, if any, ATP titles to his name. In fact, he's made one career final, and he lost it earlier this year in Hungary. Uh, He does have a bunch of challengers titles, 11 to his name, seven futures titles, but still, Rothman, I don't think any of us saw this 3-6, 7-5, 7-6, 7-6 victory over Fed coming. No, definitely not. And and I want to start off with a few interesting facts and stats. Um, so on, on Millman's side, obviously we saw him running all over the court last night, fed, drop shotting him all over the place. Uh, and a little interesting tidbit about him, he used to run 15 kilometers before every single practice that he had when he was training back in Australia. Um, to, obviously, to translate yeah. 15 kilometers, about 9.3 miles. Exactly. And so that, that is an absurd amount of running. Uh, apparently, he, he's not doing that anymore because he was starting to develop shin splints. Uh, Can I just say, for like, the for the amount of running I did in preparation for club tennis, you didn't give me any credit like this. Yeah, you weren't running nine miles. <laughs> I was running uh, a lot. But yes, I, I sympathize. It's hard as <laughs> to do that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, definitely paid off considering how much running he was doing for these drop shots off night. Also... Clearly seemed to be fine with the humidity and the heat of New York. Uh, two other interesting statistics on Federer's part. Uh, before this match, he was 40-0 against non-seeded players. was also 20-0 against Australian players. And these are both um, specifically at the U.S. Open. Um, and I apologize if these stats are slightly off. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. Um, but just two, two interesting statistics. To talk about the match as a whole, I mean... Even Millman said it in the post-match interview, and you got to give credit to this guy. He fought his ass off. He ran all over the court. He's getting drop shots. He, I don't think he missed a single one of his uh, drop shot gets. He was putting it by Federer almost every single time. 
Uh, but he did recognize that this was an off night for Federer. Federer had double-digit double faults for the first time in his career. That's another crazy statistic. And That's nuts. And even, but like even more surprisingly were just the erroneous errors that we saw from him. I mean, we saw him hit slices that landed before the net. I mean, that is something that I do, and that is something Federer should never do. That's why. That's why I don't slice. I, so I want to mention a couple things off of once you said because I want to echo a lot of your sentiments. Uh, you talk about those ten double faults for Federer. He's up forty fifteen five four serving for the second set, and uncharacteristically, or I think it was on the forty thirty point that he double faults and then yeah. serving again down break point he double faults again and like yep. and, and then and, 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 and then and for, to get that break point. He missed a very, very routine volley in the net. I mean, so that, that, never see that's another thing. Federer in this match. So let, let's talk about those stats. As you mentioned, 13 aces against 10 double faults. That's incredible. Oh, let me mention this. The, 40, the, the 49% first serve percentage, 84 of 173. When is the last time Roger Federer served under 50% of his first serves in? I mean, <laughs> uh, that would be an interesting... Got to know to see when the last time that's happened. It's got to have been a long time. Second ago. set, he made 31% of his first serves. 31. That is 17 of 55. I mean, look, pe- people it's were garbage. chattering. People are chattering, oh, maybe his back's injured. Maybe, you know, Ben Rothenberg on Twitter commented, I've never seen Fed sweat like this, and it was hot as hell out there at it's a point true, we continued man. to make. Perfect. I know. It, it looked like he showered. Like, I've never it's seen Fed sweat like that. Yeah, I mean, something was clearly wrong. I mean, he wouldn't come to the net any one time if it weren't for him trying to shorten up the points. And that's absurd. 81 times in a match. I mean, he likes to come in and he likes to, you know, close off the net. And that is ridiculous. I mean, it, it's really incredible. And you talk about the tactics you saw from this match. You mentioned total, uh, in terms of distance covered for the total match, Millman, 12,167.8 feet. What's crazy to me is that is still not higher than Hachanov, Nadal, or Dimenauer. And you're right. It felt like Millman was you know, scrapping around the court for everything. I think he missed a lot of those you know, Federer slices in the first set. I think he had a tough time adjusting. I think that's why you, know, you look at that first set, Federer wins 87% of his first serve points, you know, 60% at the net, and that set uh, really was taking care of business. But then, as you mentioned, Millman adjusted. He really did a good job stepping up, flicking the backhand when he was too close to that, you know, not taking huge back swings. I mean, he he weathered all the storm for Federer. It really felt like Federer just... The reason he was serving and volleying so much, these courts are playing so slowly. For the first time in a long time, Federer could not hit through the court. No, not at all. And, and I don't want to say that he, he looked his age because I think there was clearly something wrong physically that was going on. Um, but the thing that bothered me the most about this was that things looked relatively fine up until that 5-4 four, four game. And literally the second that he lost that point at 40 15, it felt to me that he didn't even care about winning this match. Well, he made two it, first it was, ball errors. That's so rare for Federer to do that. Two first ball errors on back-to-back points. Yeah, it, it's crazy. But seriously, I mean, there, there are very few times where you can say you can visibly see some sort of emotion or body language that is telling of how he's feeling. And 
I felt like I could see vividly that he did not want to win this match. And, and whether or not it was because he felt like he was, you know, physically so, injured or, or something like that, at that point, you either pull out or you give it your all. I mean, he literally looked like, especially in that last tiebreaker, he threw away those last five points. So he did I, not care at all. Where I disagree with you, I don't think it's that he didn't care. I just think he physically, he couldn't do it. And after the match, he said, yeah, this was the first time I really felt winded on a court in so long. And I think that's why he was moving to the net so often. He was winded. Okay, but- Okay, then at that point, you you literally have to just pull out. Well, I, I, think I disagree. Is, I think he missed. I mean, he had so, you know, 50 of 81, 62% at the net is still really f-ing good. But it, for Federer, he missed so many high volleys that I've never seen him miss before. Exactly. But that's what I mean. When, when you're unable to play, there, there's a difference between being tired and... But, but do you think that's like him being... Then, then being physic, then something physically being wrong, and not even being being able to make your routine shot. There's a big difference between that, and that's why I'm saying I think you should have pulled out. When your demeanor changes and you feel like you have to throw away points, or not even that you have to, that you just are because you feel like you can't win. That is the, that is a huge difference from being tired. Well, the, the big numbers, again, I want to point to. You talked about that in terms of Federer being tired. His winner, unforced air count, 65 winners, which is a testament to him just gunning it on every point against 77 unforced airs. Again, he was going for his shots. For Millman, 47 winners against 28 unforced airs. Did a great job of hitting behind Federer in this match. You know, in terms of his first serve percentage, 63% win percentage, 75% or 63% of his first serves in, 75% win percentage on the first serve, 60% on the second serve, which is, again, a crazy number to see. And in terms of the serve stats, you know, he, his second serve only 92 miles per hour, not anything crazy, but if he could just get the point to neutral, I, you know, I wish we had more exact stats, but... I can't imagine Federer won many points where the sh- where the rally lasted over ten balls. Oh no, definitely not. And, and look, there, there's only so much that we can truly say about Federer in this match. Obviously, there was something physically challenging him throughout this, but you got to give some credit to John the Milkman Millman. The Milkman. The Milkman Millman. He tucked it out, man. He really did a great job mentally staying in this match. When you know is not playing well, you can just as easily choke up and get nervous and be like, oh my God, here's my opportunity to take out the GOAT. And instead, he just stayed focused, he buckled down, and he played the right game. He, he played a fantastic match of tennis. He knows it, and he knows that he capitalized on his opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, I w- again... I, I feel like we need... He's deserved his own sound effect. So, Fligner, can we get a Milkman sound effect, please? Yeah. I, for Millman, you know, he becomes the first Australian player to make a slam quarterfinal. He's the first men's player since Kyrgios made the Australian Open quarterfinals in 2015. First Australian male player to make a uh, quarterfinal at the U.S. Open since Hewitt in 2006. And again, this is just about singles. Um... Uh, another, you know, some fun stats now. You're looking at these quarterfinals because I think we've touched on everything in terms of the match. Uh, the average ranking for players at men's singles quarterfinals, you know, in two, 2016, it was 25.38. 2017, it was 
2017, 23.75. This year, 13.88 as the average ranking of the quarterfinalists. I mean, we are still going to be in for some great tennis. Uh, you know, a, another fun thing to look at. Average. I mean, imagine if, imagine if Noman wasn't in what that average would have been. Well, uh, exactly. And then another fun one: average age of these men's singles players. Again, we'll start in 20, uh, 2009 because I think the numbers get fun. It was twenty four and a half. 25.8, much 29.94 this year, 30 years old. The other thing we mentioned, a lot of these young guys just short in this one. You know, they, they didn't end up breaking through. And it's a credit to a guy like John Milliman, who again, Earlier this year was playing challengers, and it's a testament to the challenger circuit. This guy gets momentum. He wins a couple challenger titles earlier this year. You know, he wins one in Kyoto to start the season. He wins en Provence uh, on the clay, takes out Tomich in the final there. I mean, these guys are getting a ton of good matches on that level, and it just shows once again how close the you know in level the number one ranked guy really is to the number two hundred fifty ranked guy on tour, and a lot of these things are mental. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, there is a very interesting quarterfinal coming up. And Milman obviously has a super tough next round against Djokovic, has already lost to him once this year, 2-1 and one at the Queen's Club. And look, I, I got to say, I know this is a great performance by Milman. I think he's about to get steamrolled by Djokovic in this next round. And I don't know if you agree or disagree with me, but I think it's hard to argue that. So, uh, first thing I want to ask your opinion on, you know Connor Johnston of Michigan's tennis team? That I do. Kind of looks yeah. like Millman, right? <laughs> That's a great call. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Fliegner appreciated that one as well. We were... We, we gotta tell Connor about that. Yeah, he literally is the Australian uh, Connor Johnson, which is hilarious to me. Uh, but yeah, I, it's always tough. You talk about the emotional high Millman must be feeling when he's got to regroup and go give another Herculean effort. You know, you think thirteen thousand feet is a lot during a match. You're gonna have to move a lot more than that if you want to take out a prime Novak Djokovic like he seems to be. Yeah, I, I mean. What a result, though. Again, for John Millman, he comes into this match with a, a career record. I think it's 9-14 and 14 in the slams. I mean, he had never had this level of success. and He was also 0-10 against ATP top 10 players until this match. Yeah, I mean... He is not ha- you know this is I, there's a reason we're all shocked there's no one expected this again he was 9 and 14 his best results prior to this third round appearances at the Australian Open and Wimbledon in 2016 a third round appearance in 2017 at the US Open uh, again for John Millman this is the type of moment that makes your career and so he he's got to be happy about this um, let's end on this topic you look at Roger Federer Oh, sorry. Well, I want to bring up one other thing just that was really funny. Um, in John Millman's exit interview after the match last night, uh, they were asking him what he's going to do to prepare for his next round match with Joe Fitch. And he goes, honestly, man, I just need to go to sleep right now. I've got a 7 a.m. <laughs> fantasy draft tomorrow morning, and I've got to make sure I get maybe on Bell and Todd Grizzly. <laughs> I mean, if anything's going to put you in I a good... I mean, it'll put him in a good frame of mind, which in the end is what it's all about. But then... Again, one last thing because it's an emergency pod. We'll keep it short. For Roger Federer, fails to make it. Uh, this is the sorry, the second time since 2004 
for first time since 2013 that he's failed to make it to at least the quarterfinals of the Open. For Federer, you know, quarterfinal appearance at Wimbledon, he doesn't play the clay season again this year. This is the type of event he gears up for. You know, we, we don't need to speculate on whether or not he's devastated because that answer is probably pretty clear. But what do you think about, you know, him and his game moving into, you know, the 2019 season? He's not getting any younger. You know, he's 37 now already. And you just have to wonder, do you think he's going to have a shot to ever win another U.S. Open? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's tough. Like we say, there's, there's a lot of guys who get very burnt out by this time of the year. Uh, and so it, it could be the one grand slam where I do think he's going to have the hardest chance of winning besides the French. Um, but look, I think it also depends on what we hear from Federer following this match. I mean, if we find out that there is something physically more serious than just being fatigued, the heat, maybe getting to him, it could be a totally different story. Um, so it really just, I think, depends on how he takes care of himself over the, the short off season that these tennis players you unfortunately get um, and how he approaches next season if he maybe takes off another French Open and uh, maybe even takes off some, some more tournaments next season I, I think it totally depends on how he approaches it um, I would like to think that he's got another two strong years on the tour, I think he can make it to 40, still making quarterfinals and Grand Slam, but uh, we don't know if, if something like this is happening now. Who knows? Well, I think his big thing is still he wants another shot at a gold medal in singles at the Olympics. So I think he's circled 2020 as the year to play to. I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to doubt Roger Federer. You know who's probably got some Federer fatigue right now? Uh, him, because he's probably very tired. He's probably very, you know, I, I wonder if we'll see him the rest of the year. Uh, with a result like this, he's probably feast, you know, fiending to get back on the court and show what he can do. But it just show, goes to show you, Rothman, we should not record pods until all of these matches are done. I should just move out yeah. to L.A. and we can record I'll on West that. Coast time. I think we jinxed him, man. <laughs> the, the GSP jinx? Uh, look, I want to get him on the pod, so I'm not going to endorse that. Like like the 6-1 curse, though, it's in play. It is, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then, you know, we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, Rothman, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this emergency podcast. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to hear your dulcet tones via your own microphone, but if you missed those tones, be sure to check out our usual round recaps, which we're posting at the end of every round. We'll have another one probably recorded tomorrow night. Again, we'll wait until the match finishes in that case. Uh, but, you know, thank you for doing this. And, again, we uh, a lot of U.S. Open still to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, 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 no. Cut that, Fliegner. No spoilers. No? No, we'll have him violin it, though, but keep going. The point is we know the result. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the quarterfinals are going to be some of the more interesting matches of this tournament. I think the semifinals will kind of be what we expected them to be uh, unless we get some interesting results in the quarters. So excited to watch tennis over the next few days. uh, looking even more forward to our live coverage on Sunday for the final. Oh, great way to sneak in that plug there. Dalton will be very proud of you. But then one last time. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't actually end a podcast without thanking our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who make these types of moments so, happen. This is this is Max Fliegner. Uh, I just want to get in a hot take. I'm probably going to have to cut this. But I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Firewall. And uh, it's this movie with Paul Bettany and uh, Harrison Ford where... Paul Bettany basically takes 
Harrison Ford's kids hostage and forces him to uh, steal a hundred million dollars. And I, I don't know. I feel like we might have one of those situations on our hands here with Federer because I, I don't know how else this could have happened. That, that's just my <laughs> take on this. Uh, Paul Bettany, if you're out there, just let let the kids go. So let the kids go. He threw the match. Everything's fine. To so. clarify, I, he means he thinks Millman has Federer's kids. I thought he meant I have him captive, and I make him keep yeah. editing these podcasts. Well, so as I was gonna say, yeah. it's much more similar. Right. right. <laughs> but yeah, John. You know, Fed's a great guy. Let, let let the kids go. Absolutely. Leave it all in. Well, then, on that note, again, thanks to super producers Daniel Westhoff and Max Fligner, who make us sound way better than we are and who have a of a job to do, as always. But one last time, for my co-host, Max Rothman, for our super producers, Fligner and Westhoff, and from everyone at the Crack Records team, Rothman, what do we say to our guests? Hey, great shot. Oh, beautiful, as always. And we will see you at the end of the quarterfinals. Thanks, everyone.